Yosef was sold for a pair of shoes. The prophet sent warnings, but the people refused. Hashem must rebuke the people he adores. The people will fear after the lion roars. So this week's Parsha is Parsha Bayeshev, and the Haftorah is in Amos. So the Haftorah begins by um, Hashem saying to the Jewish people, for Shalosh Pishe, for three sins of Israel, um, I've looked away, but for the fourth one, I won't pardon them. So what are these three? Th- what are these three sins? The commentaries say these three sins are the three cardinal sins: murder, adultery, and idol worship. And what is the fourth sin? So the Haftorah continues by saying the fourth sin is for selling a righteous man for money and a poor man for shoes. Um, so what's this referring to here, The this selling a righteous man for money and a poor man for shoes? So there's a few different ways um, to, to read this. One, re- one way to read this is just about basically in in Amos's generation, this is talking specifically about the 10 lost tribes, that the 10 lost tribes were completely corrupt and um, and they were basically willing to sell, you know, sell away, uh, you know, be, be, take bribes, um, from wealthy people and, uh, and, and, you know, the judges, the corrupt judges at the time would, would be able to be, you know, paid off, bribed by the wealthy people and in turn hurt the poor people that didn't have money, uh, to, to bribe the, the corrupt judges. So perhaps that's what it, what it means by saying selling the righteous man, selling the, the tzaddik for money is referring to just this concept that basically um, the, the corrupt uh, politicians and leaders at the time and judges were willing to take bribes and, um, and, and you know, sort of avert uh, justice and, you know, not necessarily um, do what's right in the law but rather, you know, follow the golden rule, whoever has the gold make the rules, um, that that's what, uh, that, that, that's why they would be selling a righteous man for money. Um, and, and a poor man for shoes along the same lines is just the idea that basically what are, what are you know, these corrupt people, um, these corrupt leaders getting for it? Nothing but just a pair of shoes. It's not even that significant. Um, it, but that, uh, that, that's why they sold it. Another way to read this is related to our Parsha this week of Vayeshev, where the, one of the most famous stories in the whole Torah, where uh, Yosef was sold, um, in, in, was, was sold to Mitzrayim, sold down to, uh, to, to Egypt. And, um, and what's fascinating here is the commentaries say the brothers sold Yosef for, for 20 silver pieces of silver. Sorry, so 20, 20 pieces of silver, and then they exchange those pieces of silver for uh, pairs of shoes for the um, for for uh, the 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 ten tribes um, that were that were there at the time for the ten brothers that were there. Um, it's interesting, even though Ruvain wasn't actually there, nonetheless he accepted the gift of uh, of the you know of, of the new shoes. Um, so why was Yosef, first of all, Yosef is one of the two people in sort of Tanakh that's called a tzaddik. One is Noach, is called a tzaddik in the, in the Torah portion, um, in the Torah itself. And then 
how do we know that Yosef, Yosef at Sadiq, where does that come from? That comes from our Haftorah, where our Haftorah says at Sadiq was sold for money, uh, was sold for silver. And the commentary say that's referring to Yosef was sold for money, was sold for money. Um, uh, but uh, why was, why did the brothers supposedly, you know, why did the brothers um, buy shoes, uh, you know, um, with, with the proceeds that they got from selling their brother? So a few different interesting answers here is a um, few answers I've seen. So uh, one answer is potentially that slaves don't wear shoes. So Yosef, um, you know, predicted that the brothers would bow down and be subservient to him, to Yosef. And the brothers were so angry about that dream, about that prophecy, that the brothers sold him and said, you think, you know, you're the one that's going to rule over us? Really, you're the slave and we're the ones that are in charge. And that's why they bought, brought, bought shoes because slaves don't wear shoes. So they wanted to show that we're not a slave. We're not a subservient to our brother Yosef. We sold him. Even though ultimately in the end they would bow down to him uh, in, in an ironic uh, twist of fate. Then um, another reason potentially why they, Yosef was sold for a pair of shoes is uh, because when a person was publicly rebuked, they would take off their shoes to show that they were, um, you know, that they were ashamed of themselves. So the brothers, they bought shoes specifically to show that they were proud of their decision to sell Yosef. Um, and they did not feel like they were rebuked. Uh, another potential reason why Yosef was sold for shoes um, is because if a person, perhaps the brothers thought that they were justified Al-Pihalacha, um, you know, from basically that they, they felt like, you know, they, they had a based in, they, they made a courtroom and they decided that Yosef was um, a danger to them and they decided the correct halachic decision was to sell him. Therefore, um, a person that is killed by based in, um, can, you, you don't sit Shiva for that person. You don't, you don't have the formal, uh, you know, mourning period uh, for someone that was killed by based in. So perhaps the brothers, and part of the mourning process is that you take off your shoes. You don't wear leather shoes during mourning. You wear, um, you, you, you know, you don't, you, you take off the, your, 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 uh, your leather shoes. So perhaps the brothers were saying, um, the reason they brought, bought shoes is because they were saying we were justified in our decision. It's as if we had went to court and the, the based in came out and said, yes, you're right. Kill Yosef. Therefore, that's why they weren't sitting Shiva, basically. The fact they, they bought new shoes was a sign that they weren't sitting Shiva because normally you wouldn't be buying shoes uh, in that time. Um, a fourth reason, potentially, why Yosef was sold uh, for shoes is because wearing leather shoes um, is when normally you say a shahiyanu um, when you buy shoes. Uh, sorry, when you buy any piece of any piece of clothing, except you don't say a shahiyanu when you buy shoes. And why is that? It's because shoes, unlike other garments, are made from uh, either leather or snake skin, some kind of animal. And um, the reason you don't say shahiyanu is because you don't want to basically sort of uh, you, you you don't, don't want to you know you're 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 hurting an animal to be able to wear those shoes. So you don't want to be too proud of yourself. Um, for you know the for, for the process that it took to hurt the animal, so perhaps the brothers um, were saying, you know, we're so righteous 
that we won't, we'll buy shoes so we don't have to say a shehechianu, that we're so righteous, that we're so sensitive, um, you know, that we won't, uh, t- towards the animals, that we won't say shehechianu, that basically, and God criticizes them by saying, you're more sensitive th- to the animals than you are to your own brother. Um, and so just uh, um, so after all those reasons, um, you know, to look back at this this idea here that Hashem, it's really in a really surprising, um, you know, statement that Hashem says, the three cardinal sins, the three worst sins in Judaism, murder, adultery, and idol worship, were not as bad as the fact that um, either Yosef was sold or, I said the other interpretation, that basically um, the, the, the powerful people were corrupted and ruling against the poor people. Um, and it's just an interesting lesson that, you know, like the first Beit HaMikdash was destroyed for those three cardinal sins of murder, adultery, and idol worship. And famously, the, um, you know, the, the second Beit HaMikdash was destroyed for Sinat Chinam, for, for um, you know, basically a baseless hatred. And we can see that here, that, that you know, that, that uh, the, first, the first temple was ultimately rebuilt. Um, the, the three cardinal sins, while they were bad, they weren't terrible. But the one terrible one was Sinachinam and uh, was, was, was baseless hatred. And that's perhaps what's happening here is that the three terrible sins, murder, adultery, and idol worship, God can almost in a way tolerate that to a certain extent. But if you're corrupt, if you are willing to justify yourself in selling your own brother, um, then that's just beyond the pale. That's something that you absolutely have to be punished for. Um, okay. So moving on, so it says um, they, the, 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 the people would trample um, into the dust of the earth the head of the poor. Um, another way to interpret this is to say that um, they, the, the people greedily looked at the dust on the head of the poor. Um, okay, so, uh, and they would twist the judgment of the humble. So what this is referring to is the fact that basically the poor, the poor people at the time, um, when Amos was speaking here, the, the poor people during, you know, in the, that were living at the times of the 10 lost tribes, they were, um, they were basically always, you know, at the mercy of their, of, of, of the stronger, wealthier, more powerful, uh, ruling class. And, um, they were trampled on into the dust. Their heads were trampled on. Another way to read that, like I mentioned, is that the people would look greedily at the dust on their head that basically, um, they would, even the dust, even just a speck of dust, if a poor person owned a little bit of dust on their, that was on the wiped on their forehead, um, you know, the, the wealthier people thought that that was too much property to own a little bit of dust wiped on your forehead. And they would find a way to even take the dust off the person's forehead. If that's all they had, if that was a, their only possession was a little dust on their head. Um, even that, uh, the, the people would look at it enviously that, that, um, you know, they were always trying to find a way to get however much money they could out of the poorest people. And they were willing to twist judgment, um, in order to do that. And that was, like I said, that was the part that was beyond the pale. Um, so, uh, that it wasn't that they were, you know, it wasn't murder, adultery, and idol worship that were too far. It was the fact that they were corrupt. It was the fact that they didn't treat the poor correctly. Um, and that's ultimately what did them in. So moving on here, so it says, a man and his father go to the same prostitute, Laman Khalil at Shem Kadshi, in order to desecrate my holy name. 
Um, so it's interesting here is that this stands in stark contrast to what we see in the, you know, in, in the future Parsha about Yosef. Yosef, when he was faced um, with the, you know, with the challenge of um, fending off Eshat Potiphar, uh, the wife of Potiphar, that Yosef was able to withstand that test by thinking about his father, uh, by thinking about his dad, Yaakov, um, was able to, you know, by, by, you know, imagining Yaakov in that moment, that stopped him from sinning. And so too, however, in contrast, um, the, uh, the, in, in, in these times, in the times of Amos, a man and his father would go to the exact, uh, same prostitute and, in, in sort of a, uh, and, and, and the reason they did that was Laman Chalel at Shemkachi, just in order to desecrate my holy name. So it was like they purposefully did, you know, um, this terrible thing that, that they would both go together just in spite of God. Um, and the point here also is that, you know, cheating, like I mentioned before, that they would trample the, the heads of the poor into the dust. They would twist the twist judgment. You know, they were willing to sell the righteous for money. All of these, all of these concepts of basically bad, you know, not treating the poor correctly, that ultimately would lead to other sins, um, uh, you know, like, like, uh, like Arias, like, um, like adultery, etc. And that's why, and, and, and like I said, it stands in stark contrast to where Yosef, when he thought of his father, he, that, that was able to prevent him from falling prey to the Yitzhahara. However, we see in this week's part, half Torah, that, um, that it, it's almost the opposite, that, uh, a, that a son and father go to sort of the exact same prostitute. And that's how, um, you know, that, that's sort of how far the people have fallen. That is, instead of looking to your dad for support, um, it's you actually go with your dad to the exact same prostitute, uh, you know, and, and, and sort of stark contrast to when Yosef was able to think of his father, Yaakov, and that gave him strength uh, to fend off Eshet Potiphar. Um, moving on. So they reclined, it says that the, the, the people, the leaders, um, would recline on the garments that were taken as collateral, um, near the, near the idols, near, near the altars of, uh, idol worship. And they would drink their victims wine, um, that they took fines from. Um, so what's this referring to? So, um, there's a concept, there's a, a mitzvah in, um, in the Torah that says that if you take collateral from a poor person, you have to give it back to them. So let's say you take, you know, um, a, you, you take, you give someone a loan and then you take their pillow as collateral. However, every night you have to give their pillow back to them in order to sleep on. However, we can see that that's not being followed here, that they were laying on these on the, on the garments that they took as collateral on the port, you know, these, the, the, the people were so poor, all they had were, was, you know, the shirt on their back and they would even take that as collateral. And what would they do with it? It wasn't that they treated it with respect and they would give it back every night like they were supposed to. Rather, they would lay on it. They would recline on it, um, you know, sort of, uh, ingest and they would, uh, where would they lay on it? They would lay on it another, none other than in a place of idol worship, just to, you know, sort of rub it in, um, about how, you know, how much they were, they were sinning at the time. Um, and then it, it also says that they would drink the wine that they took from, um, from basically taxes. So there were certain taxes and if someone couldn't pay taxes, but they had bottles of wine, they would stay, they would take the wine instead. 
Um, that's how poor the, you know, they, the, the, basically just this whole concept of the leaders would crush the, the poorer people under them and they would drink their wine. Um, then the Haftorah continues by saying, yet I destroyed the Amorite before them whose height was like a cedar tree and strength like an oak, like an oak. Um, so this is, to, and, and then it says, I destroyed its fruit from above and its root from, and its roots from below. So this is talking about how basically it seems like the Jewish people feel like they're indestructible at this time. You know, they're, they're doing all these terrible things. They're, um, crushing the poor. They're, um, you know, doing murder, adultery, idol worship, all these terrible things. However, um, you know, they, they think of themselves as so powerful, so mighty. And God says, slow down. You know, the Amorites that were in Israel before the Jews got there, they were powerful. They were mighty. You know, they had Sichon, they had Og, they had these powerful and mighty militaries and, and giants and soldiers. And nonetheless, they were all completely annihilated when the Jewish people came in. And it said, if you look back at your history books, the reason they were annihilated is because of all the sins that they had done. And so too, the Jewish people shouldn't feel so unstoppable because if the Jewish people sin, no matter how strong they are today, ultimately, um, you know, they'll fall just like, just like the Amorites did before them. Um, the Jewish people are not, not as invincible as they thought they were. Then it says, uh, I, I brought you up from Mitzrayim and led you through Bamidbar for 40 years to take possession of the land of the Amorites. And the, again, this is just stressing that basically, um, you know, just how indebted we should be to Hashem for bringing us out of Mitzrayim and then leading us through Bamidbar for 40 years. Um, and, and then not only that, but he gave us the land from the Amorites. And, um, and this is just more proof that the Amorites' destruction um, you know, that, that we should, you know, the, the very land of Israel that the Jews were living in. Um, if you look back at the history of that land, the Amorites were destroyed because of their sins. So too, the Jewish people would be destroyed because of their sins. Then it says, I established some of your sons as prophets and young men as um, Nazirim. And um, isn't this so, B'nai Israel? And like a rhetorical question, isn't this so? So what's this referring to? So perhaps it's referring to Yosef, that Yosef, he prophesied. He was a young man. It calls him a nar. He was a young man. And he also prophesied in his dreams that his brothers would be bowing down to him. And likewise, when he was sold into Israel, into, into Mitzrayim, he um, did not drink any wine for that entire time. And just like a Nazir, a Nazir doesn't shave his head and doesn't drink wine, so too um, we see that he didn't drink wine and we even see that he had to get a haircut before he became the leader. Um, so perhaps he didn't cut his hair either. Um, so it's interesting here that, uh, you know, that it mentions your sons, um, and not just, you know, it's not just that the Jewish people have prophets, but they're from outside. It's your own sons are, have the ability to be prophets. It's your own young men that can become Nazirim, can become these great spiritual people that, uh, that are, are connected um, to their Judaism. So what this is referring to here is that basically that the young people, they have these aspirations of being prophets, of being, of being great. Um, and we'll see it later in the Haftorah that, 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 that those ambitions are quashed. 
So um, it, we see it later in the Haftorah, it says you, the, the people would give the Nazirim wine and they would command the prophets to stop prophesizing. So basically, these, you know, the young people that showed promise in their society, the young people that were, had the ability to be a prophet, had the ability to be a Nazir, that um, the, the, the general population was so sort of um, disgusted by their youthful optimism that they quashed that by making sure that the Nazirim drink wine, even though they shouldn't have, and they commanded the prophets to stop prophesizing because they didn't want to hear the rebuke that they would, you know, that they would get from them. Um, and basically, sort of the lesson here is that you shouldn't quash the ambition of the young people, that they have ambition, they have drive, and, um, and, and that was sort of quashed, um, crushed by the general population, um, and it shouldn't have been. Then it says, uh, I'll weigh you down in your place like a wagon of wheat is weighed down. Um, and this is referring to perhaps the wheat is refer the, the sheaves of wheat are referring to the sins of the Jewish people. And that basically there were so many sins um, that it was like uh, a, a wagon that was so heavy, full of wheat, um, that it was sort of crushed. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it, in, and it was stuck in its place because it weighed so much. Another way to read this is, you know, grain, wheat, is something that is a, a bracha, something that's a big blessing if you have food. Um, and the Jewish people, the way the, the Jewish people at the time viewed their, their, the bracha, viewed the wheat that they had, was that it wasn't a bracha, it wasn't a blessing, rather, it was just heavy. You know, so there's two ways to view uh, every good thing that you have. You could view wheat as sustenance, as food, as blessing, but you could also view wheat as just a burden. And perhaps the wheat here is referring to the Torah, that the Torah could be this beautiful blessing. However, in the times of Amos, they were nothing, they, they, they were nothing but a burden. Um, the laws, the, the rules, the mitzvot, they were just a, a burden, um, like just the way that wheat can be a blessing. But if you view it as just a, a weight, then it's nothing but a burden. Then it says, um, the escape, uh, escape will elude the swift one. The strong will have no strength. The mighty will not save his soul. Um, the, they will hold the, the people, the person that holds the bow won't be able to stand. The swift one won't be able to save himself. The rider of the horse won't save his soul. The bold hearted will flee naked on that day. And perhaps this is referring, um, sort of back to this idea that, um, you know, that, that we think we, we might think that we're so strong, we're so powerful, but we saw, like we saw with the Amorites before us, the Amorites, they were very strong. They were very powerful, as strong as cedars, uh, as, as tall as cedars, as strong as oaks. And nonetheless, they were crushed. And so too, the Jewish people, no matter how swift we are and strong and mighty, um, and how many bows, bows we can hold and how many horses we can ride, nonetheless, um, on the day of our, you know, on the day of reckoning, uh, all of those things won't work for us. Another maybe comparison to the Haftor to the Haftor to the Parsha is that um, you know the brothers were very powerful. The, these that the brothers um, were extremely powerful, and and you know that's why they had to perhaps go into each one had to go in through a separate gate to get into Egypt because um, they were so strong. If they all came together, it would, it would look like they were uh, you know going to attack everyone or. We also saw the entire city of Shechem was only killed, you know, were, were, um, the, all the men in Shechem were, were killed um, by, by this group. They were very powerful. However, um, the, you know, it says that they ultimately 
won't have any power. They'll, they'll also all, and and perhaps that's what it's referring to here is that however strong the brothers are, ultimately they're going to be you know bowing down at the feet of their brother Yosef, uh, and a few parshas from now. So the Torah continues. Hear this prophecy concerning the family that I brought up from Egypt, um, namely the Jewish people. So you alone did I know, Yadati. You alone did I know. Meaning, um, when it says Yadati, this is referring, the commentaries say this is referring to like a sense of love, that the, you alone um, did, I, did I love, that the Hashem loved the Jewish people from all the families of the earth. Therefore, I'll hold you in account of all your sins. So how does this make any sense? How does it make sense that the fact that God loves us, you know, sort of like more than all the families of the of the earth, why would that mean that he would hold us, you know, more accountable for our sins than everyone else? So um, one of the commentaries brings an interesting, um, an, an, uh, an interesting parable here to explain it. So the, there's, there, he gives the story of, you know, if there were, um, if there were two people that owed a debt to a person, and if you don't pay the debt, you're thrown into prison. So one person that, um, that is a debtor, he doesn't know at all. It's not his friend. And the other one, it's his best friend. So the, the one that, um, the, the best friend, you know, he doesn't want the best friend to have to go to prison for not paying the debt. So every single day he shows up at his door and begs him to pay the debt. And because of that begging, ultimately he's able to, that his, his best friend, um, is able to pay off his debts. However, the other one, he doesn't give any warning to, he's, he just lets him sit the whole time. But then when that debt is due, um, he comes to him and says, well, where's the money? And he doesn't have it. And ultimately he's thrown into prison. So, so too the Jewish people that the Jewish people are constantly and continuously punished by God. It's like, we're, you know, the, the, that guy that the, 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 um, creditor that shows up at the debtor's house every single day, day in, day out to say, pay unless, you know, and, and if you don't, you're going to prison, that sort of that persistent um, challenge is actually beneficial because ultimately the, you know, if a debtor, if the creditor is showing up at your door every day, you'll pay, you'll pay it off before you have to go to prison. Uh, and so too, the Jewish people, that the Jewish people are constantly corrected. We're held to a higher standard. Um, and perhaps that's why, you know, it sounds like in, in last week's Parsha that Ruvain committed a terrible sin um, of sleeping with one of Yos, one of, one of uh, his father's uh, wives, of Yaakov's wives. However, um, it the, the commentaries explain it really wasn't that bad. It was just that he moved the bed from one place to the other. And perhaps it's like, and, and the concept is, is that basically uh, the righteous people are judged much harsher than normal people. And so too, the Jewish people are judged harsher. It's exactly because we're loved. It's like one of the commentaries say, it's like a son, um, you know, a, a, a father critis, criticizes his son more than any other boy. Why is that? It's because he cares for his son more than any other boy. Uh, moving on. So uh, does a lion roar if it has no kill? Um, these, so these are a bunch of sort of rhetorical questions to ask. Um, and, and in reference to the fact that, uh, that, that, that God is trying to, and, and the Navi, uh, Amos is trying to persuade the Jewish people that they were wrong and that they should uh, repent. So it's saying, does a lion roar if it has no kill? The point being here is that a lion is talking about the Navi um, 
of Amos. Amos is basically roaring uh, with his prophecy and saying, don't you see that there's a problem here? You don't you see that I have a kill that I have that that you're acting corruptly, um, and that's why I'm roaring. Uh, do two people walk together unless if they arranged to do so beforehand? So the point here is to say that if two people want to go somewhere, you have to arrange a meeting spot, and um, and so too it's saying that for the Jewish people, if you want to be successful in Judaism, you have to prepare for it. Um, that, that the only way to be able to walk together, um, the only way to be able to, uh, you know, arrange to walk together is by preparing for that, is by planning in, av- in advance when you're going to meet and where you're going to meet. And so too, for the mitzvot, you have to prepare for those mitzvot. And then it says, does a bird fall into a trap without a snare? Um, is the shofar sounded and the people not tremble? So this is saying, if you hear the shofar, you should tremble. And that basically that's the warning that Amos is saying. Amos is saying, don't you see that you've, you've fallen? Can there be misfortune if God had not brought it? Hashem will not do anything unless he reveals his secret to the prophets. Um, a, a lion roars, who wouldn't fear? And then, has, and then it says, um, Hashem has spoken, who would not become a prophet? So the point here, um, the Avtorah concludes by saying that um, that even though the people don't want to hear the prophecy, even though they try to silence the prophecy, Hashem says, nonetheless, um, God will not punish us unless if he first tells us that we will be punished from a prophet. So the prophet is sent to say, you will be punished. He gives us that warning. Um, and at least we have the warning, just like the people of Nineveh, when um, Yonah warned the people of Nineveh, they ultimately did repent and they were saved. And so God will always give uh, the you know an opportunity to be warned, and then maybe we could save ourselves before the ultimate doom. However, um, as I mentioned on the podcast, you know when I was talking about Yona, that um, that Yona was sort of uh, embarrassed to say that the people of Nineveh would in fact did in fact repent, and it sort of looked bad that the Jewish people are given all these prophecies and they do nothing about it. The people of Nineveh are almost better than the Jewish people in that way. Um, and then it says, you know, if Hashem has spoken, who would not become a prophet? And this is basically saying that you, the writings on the wall that, um, that, uh, Hashem, you know, Hashem through the mouth of Amos has spoken about the impending doom of the 10 tribes. Nonetheless, um, they, it's, they, they can't predict what's obvious. You know, you should be able to predict what's going to happen that if you don't change your ways, they would get destroyed. So to recap the Haftorah. Um, the Avtorah begins by saying, um, for three piche, uh, for, for three different sins of Israel, I have looked away, but for the fourth one, I will not pardon them. Then what are these three sins? The three sins are murder, adultery, and idol worship, the three cardinal sins. What's the fourth sin? The fourth sin is selling a righteous man for money and a poor man for shoes. That even worse than murder, adultery, and idol worship is the fact that the leaders of the country were um, were taking bribes, and basically the golden rule was applying. Those with the gold make the rules. That the um, you know that the the wealthy people were crushing the poor people um, and and corrupting justice. Um, 
in order to, you know, extort as much money as they could from the poor. And that was the turning point. Not the fact that there was murder, adultery, and idol worship. The turning point was that they didn't even care about the weakest and most vulnerable, marginalized people of the society. Um, then uh, this is also perhaps though we're ta- talking about the sale of Yosef. That Yosef, where, how do we know that Yosef was at Sadiq? We don't see that in the, in the Torah portion. Rather, we see it from here, from Amos, that he says that he was at Sadiq that he was sold for money. And it says, um, and, and why, and it also says that, uh, <coughs> that, that Yosef was sold for a pair of shoes. Why was he sold for shoes? So there's a bunch of answers given. Perhaps he was sold for shoes because slaves don't wear shoes. So the brothers are saying, you know, you think that we're going to bow down to you. Um, really though, you're going to be the one that's subservient to us. We're the, we're the leaders. We will buy shoes. You're the slave. And, um, so, you know, that's why they bought shoes, perhaps. Another reason is that when a person is rebuked, um, they take off their shoes in humiliation. So they were saying um, that we're not, we don't, we're not even embarrassed about selling Yosef. We felt like that was the right decision. Another reason I gave was that um, when you sit Shiva, you don't wear shoes. However, with the exception of if someone is killed by Bastin, if... Um, if if the court rules that a person should have the death penalty, you don't sit shiva for that person, and that's perhaps what they were saying is that we're not going to sit sh- we're not going to sit shiva for um for for our brother Yo- for our brother Yosef because we actually did the right thing that they they felt in their mind that they did the right thing and it's because of that that they said well we did the right thing to sell Yosef because he was trying to kill us first and therefore. Um, we're not even gonna, you know, it's as if we got the, the permission to kill him from Bastin, from court. And therefore we're, we're, we're not going to sit Shiva because you don't sit Shiva for someone that was killed by Bastin. Um, the, uh, the last reason I spoke about is that shoes are made from normally animal skin. And it's like they were saying, and, and the fact that we wear shoes is kind of an indication that we're like smarter, better than the animals. And perhaps that's why they wore shoes is because they were showing their dominance um, over Yosef that they were sort of better than him. Um, and, uh, okay, so moving on. So it says, um, the Torah says they would trample on the dust of the, they would trample um, into the dust of the earth the heads of the poor, and they would twist the judgment of the humble. And the point here being is that, again, the poor people were sort of crushed under the wealthier people who had money to pay bribes to the corrupt leaders and politicians. And, um, and the poor would be, you know, it was as if they were, they were trampled into the dust. Um, and it's for that reason that, that the Jewish people were, that, uh, the 10 tribes were, were destroyed, not for the three cardinal sins of murder, adultery, and idol worship, but rather because the people, um, had sort of institutionalized, um, uh, institutionalized the idea that you can be, uh, you know, that th- that there can be a double standard for the people that are wealthy and the people that are poor. Um, also, another way to read this is that they looked greedily at the dust of the head of the poor, that basically even the smallest possession, just a speck of dust that a poor person had on their forehead, the wealthy people try to find a way to get that dust for themselves. Um, and then, uh, you know, and I mentioned Sinachinam, that the first temple was destroyed because of the three cardinal sins of murder, adultery, and, wor- and idol worship. However, that was ultimately rebuilt. That was ultimately, um, you know, uh, forgiven. 
but for sinat chinam, for for for, for uh, you know hatred for no apparent reason, that is still not forgiven. We still don't have the third bin of Mikdash even today. It says uh, a man and his father go to the same prostitute laman chalil laman chalil et shem kadshi in order to desecrate my holy name. And I mentioned this stands in stark contrast to when Yosef, when he was trying to fend off the wife of Potiphar he thought of his dad. He thought of Yaakov and that stopped him. That was able to prevent him from sinning. However, in contrast, um, in, in the times of Amos, uh, a man and his father that did not, you know, they, they would even go at the same time to the same prostitute and that didn't stop them. And why do they do that? Specifically and purposefully, Davka, so that they would, you know, to, to spite God, um, to desecrate God's holy name. Um, and the point here being is that we can see that sort of the progression of, um, of, you know, not treating the poor people correctly and, 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 um, and, and favoring the wealthy over the poor, that that ultimately will lead to all sorts of bad outcomes. Um, like, you know, a, a, a son and his dad going to the exact same prostitute. Um, so then the Ephora continues by saying, the people would recline on garments, the leaders would recline on garments taken as collateral um, near the foreign, uh, you know, Avodazara, uh, you know, uh, alt, uh, temples. So what's this referring to here? There's a mitzvah that if you take collateral for a loan, if let's say you take, you know, someone's pillow as collateral for a loan, you have to give that pillow back every night so they can sleep on it. And however, it's clear that in times of Amos, they were not doing that, that they were laying down on this collateral. Like, you know, they, the, the, a person, maybe all they had was the shirt on their back and they would take that as collateral and they didn't have proper respect for it because they were laying down on it. They were reclining on it like it was nothing. And then they would also drink their victim's wine that they um, took, uh, that they took taxes from. And what's this referring to? That basically they would take, that if someone owed taxes uh, and they couldn't pay their taxes, they would go into their house and they'd steal their wine. And, you know, all the, if all they had was some wine and that's what they, that's what the leaders would drink, um, the wine from the poor people that couldn't pay taxes. Then it says, uh, yet I destroyed the Amorite before them whose height was like a cedar tree and strength like an oak, like an oak. And this is basically saying, hey, look back at it, and, and it, the Aftorah continues by saying, I destroyed its fruit from above and its roots from below. This is the Aftorah saying, Hashem saying, look back at the history of Israel. The history of Israel had this huge, hugely powerful nation of, of the, the Amorites that were like cedar trees, that were Sichon and Og, were, were powerful, were strong. And nonetheless, they were taken down. Um, by God, and so too we shouldn't feel invincible. That because if we're if we sin just like the just like the Amorites did, so too we'll be taken down. Then it says uh, after it continues, I brought you up from Mitzrayim and led you through Bamidbar for forty years to take possession of the land of the Amorites. And again, you know you took possession of the land of the Amorites. That uh, just like the Amorites were kicked out because of their sins, so too the Jewish people will be kicked out because of our sins. Then it says, I established some of your sons as prophets and young men as Nazirim. Isn't this so, B'nai Israel? So this is challenging the Jewish people to say, look at that. You know, um, that that uh, your the young people are prophets. Um, and uh, they they have, you know, the, the, the young people have this like youthful optimism about them. 
Um, and nonetheless, you quash that by giving the Nazirim wine and commanding the prophets to stop prophesizing. And this is also a reference to the Parsha by saying when Yosef, when he prophesied in his dreams that his brothers would bow down to him, his brothers wouldn't listen to him. And similarly, um, he, why, Yosef was also perhaps somewhat of a Nazir because he didn't drink wine when he was in Egypt. Um, <clears throat> and he also perhaps didn't get a haircut until he was appointed uh, king, and, uh, in, until he was appointed the, the ruler of, of uh, Egypt. Um, then <clears throat> the Avtor continues by saying, I'll weigh you down in your place like a wagon of wheat is weighed down. I said, wheat is a beneficial thing. Wheat is a bracha. However, it could also be viewed as just a weight, and so too the Torah. The Torah could be viewed as this tremendous bracha, but it could also be viewed as just weighing us down in the times, you know, in the times of Amos. It wasn't viewed in the correct light of, you know, wheat could mean that um, you're able to eat, and so too the Torah could mean that you're able to uh, ascend to great spiritual heights. However, the people at the time were just viewing the Torah as sort of a weight weighing down on their shoulders. Um, then it says, uh, escape will elude the swift one. The strong will have no strength. The mighty will not save his soul. Um, the one that holds a bow won't stand. The swift won't save himself. The riders of the horse won't save their soul. The bold hearted will flee naked on that day. And I said here that basically, no matter how powerful the Jewish people are, ultimately, if we continue sinning, we will fall. Um, and no matter how strong we are right now, we'll have no strength when on the day of reckoning. And then um, also this is maybe referring to the powerful brothers. You know, the, 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 um, the brothers that sold Yosef were so strong and powerful. And uh, nonetheless, no, despite their power, at the, in, in the end, they ended up bowing down to their brother, uh, Yosef. Um, now it says, you hear this prophecy concerning the family that I brought from Egypt, um, that you alone did I know, Yadati. Yadati is... Um, it means I know, but it also means sort of uh, I love. Uh, it's a way of showing love. And it says that Hashem loved um, loved the Jewish people from all the families of the earth. Therefore, I'll hold you into account for all your sins. So how does this make sense? How does it make sense that the, the one that God loves the most, why is that reason that God would punish us the most? Um, so I mentioned that sort of uh, a dad punishes his son more than he punishes just a random boy off the street because he has, he loves his son more and he tries to correct his ways. So too, God um, loves sort of the Jewish people so much that we're constantly being held to a higher standard than the general populace. Um, then it says, does a lion roar if it has no kill? Do two people walk together unless they arranged so? Does a bird fall into a trap without a snare? Is the shofar sounded and the people not tremble? Can there be misfortune if God hasn't brought it? And all of this, and, and um, all of this is to basically to say that, uh, you know, that don't, don't, you know, this, the, the, these are basic rules of logic. The lion will, will roar if it has, uh, or a lion will, will only roar if it has a kill. Um, and a bird will only flap around if it's caught in a trap. Um, and basically this is saying that so too, um, Amos is like a, a lion, Amos, this, Amos, the Navi, he, the reason he's prophesizing, you know, making all these, all these prophecies about the Jewish people's, uh, the 10 tribes destruction 
is because he says there's substance to my words that, you know, I'm not just roaring because I don't have a kill. I have a kill. I, I, I have all these things that, you know, all these reasons why the 10 tribes will ultimately be destroyed. And you, and, and he was warning them, I'm roaring. Um, and you should listen to that. Um, then uh, the Haftorah continues by saying, Hashem will not do anything unless he reveals his secret to the prophets. Uh, a lion roars, who doesn't fear that? And I mentioned just like when we saw in Yonah, that when Yonah went to Nineveh, the, he warned Nineveh about their ultimate destruction, and the people repented, and they were not destroyed. And so, too, the Jewish people have this potential that uh, God gives us warnings before we're destroyed, and we can correct our ways before our ultimate uh, destruction. Then it says, Hashem has spoken, who would not become a prophet? And this is to mean that basically, uh, if you just kind of look at the obvious, if you look at the facts on the ground as as Amos was describing them, it's obvious um, that doom will ultimately come upon the Jewish people if they don't correct their ways. So with that, I'll read my, uh, my poem. Yosef was sold for a pair of shoes. The prophets sent warnings, but the people refused. Hashem must rebuke the people he adores. The people will fear after the lion roars. And with that, l'chaim, l'chaim, and this has been the whole Torah.